I know that there is one, one source in this universe. You can call it God, you can call it Buddha, you can call it Joe, you can call it whatever you want, but it is there, it is always there. And it is not out there, it is us. We are that God, we are that Buddha, we are the universe showing up in form, each and every one of us, those present here today, the person you see in the mirror every morning, that's God. The person, your neighbor across the street, the person that lives next door, and the, the person that lives across on the other side of the world, that is also God. All of us are one. All of us are the same. Our true essence at that level, we are the same. And each one of us is necessary. Every one of us, every minute of every day, is supposed to be here. And when we show up as that God essence, as that love, not just put a a little love in your heart, but yes, we are that. We come from that. And when we live our life from that, that feeling that bubbles up and oozes out and ripples out is amazing. And our goal is to always be in that heart space, be in that love. Not just loving, but we are love. That's who we have come here to be. And as we know that of ourselves, deeply know that, live from that, We can't help but know that of everyone we come in contact with. Every being, not just our fellow humans, but every being on this earth, in this universe, every tree, every plant, everything is connected to us and we to it. And when we know that, and we remember that it's miraculous. It is nurturing. It is compassion. It is all those good, good qualities that we strive to always have. They just come naturally when we live from that space. And as we live from that, as it ripples out and bumps into others' good stuff rippling out, It just creates this sphere of goodness and kindness and love. And when there's that, there's no space for hatred or separateness or otherness. And we love the people that don't resonate with us. When we send that love to them, it softens everything. And isn't that a great space to be? And we have that ability every moment of every day, to be in that. And I feel that right now. I feel it rippling out beyond these walls, beyond this town, you know, to the universe and from the universe, back and forth. And I'm so grateful for knowing this, for knowing and being able to have this feeling 
whenever I want to. All of us can do that whenever we want to. And to be in gratitude for that ability and that knowing. And I know it is done. It is complete. It is there. And it is always available. And that's how the law works. So I release this into the law, knowing, knowing that truth. And I let it be. And as this resonates with you and in you and through you and out from you, join me in saying, and so it is. Um, Our theme this month is, um, and and our whole year theme, just in case you haven't been here for that, is um, spirituality in action. Taking our spirituality and taking it to the streets, putting it into movement, putting it into action. And so our, our monthly theme this month is to protect the vulnerable with the theme of empowerment. And the best way to protect the vulnerable is to teach them, to show them, to help us, all of us, because who here has been vulnerable at some point in their lives? Okay, right, yeah. To learn that we're empowered. We already are empowered. Just like we talked about earlier this morning, we already have love in our heart. We don't have to go looking for it. It's already there. So to know that we are empowered, to teach empowerment, we can give people a fish, or we can teach them to fish, right? It's the greater gift is to teach another to fish. But in order to be able to teach another how to fish, what do you have to know? How to fish, right? Okay. So we want to take a look at that today. Um, I'm pulling some stuff from, from material from today's talk from a, a minister in, in Atlanta named David Alt, uh, who usually I don't pull the stuff from the official talks, but his stuff today was really brilliant, so I, I just give a nod to him. And he says, if the Samaritan had simply stopped, paused, and offered a spiritual mind treatment to the one injured, I doubt the story would leave us with any historical impact. What I call Samaritan energy is simply feeding those who are hungry, sheltering those who are homeless, and clothing those who are naked. And I'll interpret that as ignorant of spiritual principles. That's how we are naked, as we don't know how to function in the world. As a step to their greater good. We do this as a step to their greater good, not as the end solution. To optimally do this, we must become skilled at being our own Samaritans, picking ourselves up out of toxic situations, Take a breath. Wiping away our mistakes with tender care and carrying our wounds, not neglecting them, carrying them to an altar of equal parts, compassionate curiosity, which is lovingly asking, how did I arrive at such a situation? And wholeheartedly committing to transforming and dedicating ourselves to a new normal, to a new world. So that's the energy we're going to talk about today. We begin by knowing, first of all, that this divine order, this divine process is always at play. There is an energy in the universe. There is an intelligence of the universe. And no matter how ugly it looks sometimes out here, there's a divine process always at play. See, we get caught up sometimes in thinking of what I call the short game. Okay? The universe is playing what? Long. Infinitely long game, okay? 
it's sort of like one of the metaphors I make is it's like we have our lives are flowing as a movie and we get caught in a still, an outtake from that movie, instead of staying with the movie as it continues. And when we get stuck there, then we don't get to continue in the movie. So we begin by knowing that no matter how the how desperate the circumstances look, this divine order, this divine process is in operation always, everywhere, in every bit of it. We can't grow beyond, uh, excuse me, we can't grow beyond by being caught up in our circumstances. If we're caught up in the circumstances, we can't grow, we can't get beyond that until we do our own sincere and oftentimes searing inner work. Yes? I have these sacred cows that live within me, as do you. And sometimes it hurts to burn them down. There's an old book called uh, Sacred Cows Make the Best Burgers. And sometimes that's what we have to do with our sacred cows. Until we let go of believing in victimhood. The other thing we have to do is, if we're going to be empowered, is heal our relationship with power. Take a breath. I remember a friend of mine once did a retreat. It was for women. It was a women's retreat. And it was on power. And she asked the women in the, ret- in the retreat how, you know, uh, how they felt about power. And most of them were like, you know, I don't want any of that, any part of that. And so we have to arrange our, rearrange our relationship with power and to understand power as different than control. And most of us equate control with power, but it's not the same. Power is just simply the ability to get things done. It's just simply that energy. Are you okay with getting things done? Control usually is control over somebody or something, which is not healthy. So otherwise, if we don't do our work, if we don't heal our Samaritan energy, we meet the people at their current level, which doesn't help them up. A couple of weeks ago, I used the metaphor of if somebody's in quicksand, it doesn't help them for us to jump into the quicksand with them. Okay? We have to do our work. We have to lift up. We have to be in some place different. One of the sand traps that we can get caught in is, is what's known as the drama triangle. Anne, can you bring that up, please? How many of you have seen this before? It's also known as the victim, rescuer, persecutor triangle. Despite appearances, let me put it this way. Who do you think runs this triangle? (laughs) Of the positions of the triangle up there, who's in charge? The victim. The victim runs the triangle. Despite appearances. The victim enrolls allies. Oh, you should know how awful it is. Let me tell you about how awful it is. And takes hostages with guilt trips, with manipulation, and takes hostages. How many of you have been an ally or a hostage by somebody else playing victim? Some of you have. Many of you have. Okay? Victims always need what? Before the rescuer, what do you need? The persecutor. You need a villain as somebody else earlier said. We need to have a villain. Now, the person may not be in reality a villain, but to the victim, they are a villain, right? Okay. 
And it can be a person, or it can be circumstances. We need a, 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 victor, or excuse me, a persecutor. And then we need to have somebody rescue them. We need heroes. Here I come to save the day. I'm aging myself for how, if any of you remember that cartoon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're under 40, you either saw it on reruns or you have no clue what I'm talking about. It was an early superhero called Mighty Mouse. The core agreement among all the parties in that triangle is a belief in powerlessness and the reality of lack. And believing in an us-versus-them world. The haves and the have-nots. Now, the haves and have-nots can just simply be somebody has love and I don't. Somebody has health and I don't. Somebody has the boy or girl that I want to go with and I don't. Okay? We believe in that consciousness. And so this is where our own necessity to be anchored in truth is essential. Because we can get, how many people have been caught up in this triangle? Everybody should have your hands up. Okay, we've all been in there. Talk. One person with more than one hand up. I'm right with you. I remember the first time I ever learned about this. I was in a workshop, and, and we went out to lunch afterwards, and we were sitting in a, in a restaurant, and the booth next to us was a family, and there was like four of us who had just learned about that, and we listened to this family run through the victim, rescue, persecutor triangle, all three positions in two minutes. Boom, 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 boom. It was amazing. To, it's like we're just sitting there going, oh, holy, you know what? If we're not anchored, then these bright, shiny things of the world, this, this, this process seems so real. How many of you have, know, have been involved where it's so real? Uh-huh. If you're honest, you all have your hands up. And it can pull us out of center. It can pull us from center. To break free of the triangle, we have to realize that everyone is empowered. Everyone is empowered. Because remember, the core belief of the triangle is disempowerment. Powerlessness. If we recognize that everyone is empowered, can we have the second slide, Anne? We can create a different experience. When we recognize that we are one with an infinite field and that there is enough for all, even if we don't yet know how to access what there is. That's a different story. I don't yet know how to access this. I don't know how to live this in my life. If I don't know how, can I learn? Right. That's a different process than, oh, there's a villain keeping it from me. And I can never get to it. So we have to learn how to access it. And we have to learn that we are one. So to become truly empowered, we have to sow seeds, sow and nurture seeds of trust. We have to trust the universe, we have to trust ourselves. David Alt says, without a cultivated trust, cultivated trust. We don't just trust. We have to cultivate that trust, right? In the intangible becoming tangible. You and I are vehicles for the intangible to become tangible. That's what we are in consciousness. That's what we are in reality. 
Without that cultivated trust, we continue a painful lineage of only hoping for outcomes. There is no solid understanding of vision and congruent action. Without this, there is a perpetual seeking that leaves us dizzy from constant distractions of, is this it? Are they it? Can they fix it? Where will it come from? We look outward, we look even upward for solutions to any situation. Besides me, anybody? Yeah. We're always looking outward. A key shift in our consciousness is to move from being a seeker to being a practitioner. I'm not talking necessarily about the licensed practitioner, but one who practices truths, one who practices process. See, a seeker is always looking for something they don't have, and it's always where? Outside them. Outside them. If I'm looking for love, it's outside me. In all the wrong places, yes. Seeking actually prevents happiness, and it actually pushes away what we want. Because it has an underlying belief in lack and separation. If I'm seeking it, I admit that, first of all, what? I don't have it. And therefore, I'm separate from it. One of the great paradoxes, this is almost a Taoist uh, paradox, is to have what we want, we have to stop seeking for it. To have what we want, we, in a way, we have to slow down and realize, wait, if I'm one with this infinite presence, with all there is, I already have it. I, again, may not know how to access it. I might have to learn something. I might have to, oh, heaven forbid, shift my consciousness. But we have to stop seeking for it. And only then can we experience it as already present and practice bringing it forward. Robert Browning addressed this when he said, there is an inmost center in us where truth abides in fullness, and to know consists in opening out a way whence the imprisoned splendor may escape rather than affecting entry for a light presumed to be without. So many of us are trying to get the light. I want to let the light in. No, honey, you want to let the light out. It's already in. As, as Marlisa so beautifully put it, when we light that candle, it re- represents, it reminds us of the light that is already burning within. We already have a blowtorch. It's our consciousness. So now that we've seen trust sown, this is the seeds, the first seed of trust sown, we look at trust grown. So when you blow on a dandelion floret, how many of you, you know, the little puffball things and you blow on that to just to watch the seeds float through the air? It's kind of fun, right? Until, yeah, until, yeah, right. But as a kid who doesn't think about weeds, it's a lot of fun, right? Okay. When we, but when we blow on that bloom, we do what? We destroy the puffball. The puffball no longer exists. It's now all these flowerets. They're floating out to, to be. But it's creating new what? New dandelions. Let's just say dandelions are a good thing for the sake of this argument. Good for the bees, yes. So we launch these new dandelions into being. Emerson says that nothing divine dies. All good is eternally reproductive. 
The beauty of nature reforms itself in the mind, not for barren contemplation, but for new creation. What if we could trust the universe that every time our sacred cows blow apart, every time our old identities that we are fearfully, traditionally, unconsciously or comfortably hanging on to get blown apart, what if something new is being created and we trust that process? Take a breath. Is it comfortable? But is it authentic? Is it truth? Is it the way the universe works? Yes. By the way, as soon as you blow the dandelion florida apart, what happens? Are there new dandelions instantly growing just like that? It takes some time, doesn't it? And so it takes time for us. We may not see when our world gets blown apart or some aspect of our world gets blown apart, the new growth right away. It may take time to sit and let it germinate and let it grow. But as we learn to trust the universe in ourselves, we can carry that trust in our own situations and then into situations that are encountered by others. Yes? Yes. So we don't get caught up in the surface appearance. We start to see the movie continuing to run. We start to see it continuing to flow. And we can learn that no matter how much we know, How many of you know a lot already? And you know that you know a lot already, okay? Just go ahead, put your hand up, it's okay. No matter how, mine's up. No matter how much we know, we find out that what we don't know is just as significant and oftentimes more important. Oftentimes more important. So now that we have allowed it to grow, we must move our trust into the known, to where we are knowing it. We recognize that empowerment hinges on our honesty with ourselves and with others. Terry Patton, who wrote the book of the month uh, that we're working with this month called The New Republic of the Heart, says that where our individual and collective imperfections, that was imperfections, meet our highest individual and group aspirations, a true alchemy is achieved. We come into the presence of something sacred. But we have to be willing to talk about, to be honest about our imperfections. How many people here are imperfect? Okay. A couple of you have already achieved perfection. I really honor you. (laughs) We all have imperfections. Some of us have whole lists of imperfections that nobody else would think are imperfections, by the way. That's a whole different conversation. But we're all not meeting, you know, the, the whatever standard in our mind we should meet, right? I should be about 75 pounds lighter than I am. But I had a piece of chocolate orange cake last night, and I'm not going to stop. <laughs> we have our imperfections. But where our imperfections can meet our heart, can meet the honesty, can meet the truth about that, and we can look at that, we can delve deeper. We can go deeper and say, what's really going on here? We have to move into a gentle, divine curiosity about our places of challenge. And that word was gentle curiosity. Where we honestly and gently get curious about things such as, why do I repeat the patterns I repeat? Why do I harbor this particular grudge or grudges in general? Why do I have the triggers I have? Why do I become so easily offended? 
and start to ask the question underneath that, what is really going on here? What's really going on for me here? To not just say, oh, that's just the way I am. I was born that way. I've always been up this way. But to say, no, why do I do this? What, what is it within me that's seeking something that's not fulfilled yet? And recognizing that that fulfillment is within me. And how can I bring that out into this situation, into this pattern, into the circumstances? So curiosity has the possibility of healing. Curiosity carries with it the possibility of healing. It lifts us out of silent condemnation of ourselves and brings us into the light of insight and understanding. And it also brings us to love of ourselves and others. So my seed of trust that I planted becomes roots of trust in myself and my ability to grow, because that's what this curiosity gives us, is creates an opening to grow. And it also creates a trust in a responsive universe that will become tangible as I open to it more fully. And that is empowerment. When I truly understand that I am in this power, that I'm in this flow of the divine, of the intelligence of the universe, the quantum field, whatever your name you want to give it, when I understand that I am a participant in this and it is a participant in me, we, f- we recognize our empowerment and we can support others in becoming empowered. So this week, I've been light on you with spiritual practices. The last couple of weeks I've only done two, so this week it's four. First one, ask yourself, spend some time with the question, where in my life do I get caught in the drama triangle? Ram Dass says, if you ever want to know if you're enlightened, go visit your family. Okay? So that might be a place where you get caught up in the drama triangle. You might do it at work. You might do, you know, just ask yourself, just notice. Without condemnation, don't beat yourself up. Just notice, where do I get caught up in the drama triangle? And what role do I love to play? Some of us love being victims. Some of us love being rescuers and heroes. Some of us love to be persecutors. I'm doing it my way, and if you don't like it, too bad. I just got a 19-page rant from a minister yesterday. Not me personally, but it was put out on the listserv for all the ministers, who said, if you don't like the way I communicate, too bad. It's how I communicate. It was just like I took a look at two pages of that and said, hey, that's nice. not going to listen. What role do I love to play? What's my payoff for playing that role? What is my payoff for being the victim, the rescuer, the persecutor? And what's really the truth that wants to be revealed underneath that? So if I'm a victim, what the truth might be that I want to feel empowered. I might want to recognize my empowerment. If I'm playing the hero all the time, running in to save the day, I might not feel good enough or might not trust my fellow man to feel good enough or to, res- to recognize that they are powerful. What's the underlying truth when I'm playing that role? So that's one, number one. Where do I get caught up in the drama triangle? What role do I love to play and why? The second one then is where am I being called to stop seeking? What have you been seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking? And where is it time to sit down and say, I'm done seeking. I'm going to recognize that it's within me, even if I don't yet know what that looks like or how to access it. But I'm going to stop seeking and step back and say, take a breath and say, I know it's within me, and now I allow it, that imprisoned splendor, to come out. The third practice is bring a loving curiosity to your patterns. Once again, looking at 
What is the truth that's wanting to be known in these patterns? What is the truth, the underlying truth that wants to be known? What is it that your heart, your soul is seeking to know as it runs these patterns? Because we're running the patterns for a reason. We're running the patterns because we have a feeling of unfulfillment somewhere in our lives, and so we keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, hoping that it will bring a different result. Definition of insanity, right? And finally this week, take a little bit of time to practice and cultivate trust. I'm willing to trust. I'm willing to trust myself, and I'm willing to trust the universe. And pay attention to that. Now, by the way, don't run out because somebody offers you what sounds like a really shady deal, and you sit there and go, oh, Reverend David said I should trust. No, trust your intuition that says it's a really shady deal. Okay, trust. So just, just so we're clear here. I'm going to close with a quote, and then we're going to do an affirmation. The quote is from the book, The New Republic of the Heart. It says, if a new republic of the heart is coming into being, it is taking the form of an insistent impulse to choose integrity, to be honest with ourselves and each other, and to serve the health of the whole. I love that last phrase, that we are here to serve the health of the whole. It's not just about me anymore. And by the way, it is about you too, because you are part of the whole. So it's not, you get the goodies and I, I'm a martyr. It's not, I get the goodies and you get to suffer. It's the health of the whole. Then I'm going to close with an affirmation, and Anne has the slide for that. So let's say this, this affirmation together. I am, is it up there? Yes. Together. I am an empowered and brilliant being. My experience of this rests in my decision to remember, own, and enact this truth. So it is. So let's move into prayer. Taking a breath. Recognizing that there is this one presence beyond all the names. There is just a presence that is greater than our individual understanding and experience. Every mystic who's ever touched it has had an experience of a love that is so deep, that is so beyond mm, anything that can be described. That that is the nature of this oneness. Because there is life, we know that it must be life. We see everywhere a deep, infinite intelligence operating in through and as everything. So there is this order and this harmony and a power, a getting things done, an expression of its way, of itself, of its nature, everywhere we look. And because it is all that there is, I know that each of us is one of that right now, one of this immense love, this vitality, this vital expression of life, of aliveness. We are this. We are deeply immersed in the infinite wisdom of the universe. And we are a part of, an expression of, the power of this universe, powering itself into being. From the tiniest subatomic particle to the largest galaxy and multiplicity of galaxies 
and multiverses. We are one of that. And recognizing that, remembering that, being aware of that, I speak my word that each of us simply says yes to this nature of ourselves. That wherever we may have felt cut off from this flow of life, of love, of power, and of intelligence, that we simply let go of that place where we've been cutting ourselves off. We let go of old beliefs, old mythologies, that have told us that we're not one of that. And we step into the light of truth. We must be one of that. We can't be outside of an infinite presence. And so as we know this, we allow it to empower us. And as we get empowered, because we are interconnected with all of life, with every other person on this planet, every other being on this planet, the planet itself, that as we open up to our own truth, to our own empowerment, our own enlovement, our own enlifement, that means that we lift the whole. So the work that we do for ourselves is never just for ourselves. And so we say yes to doing this work. And the work is a work of joy because it steps us into a greater experience of this life, of this love, of this joy. We say yes. And I'm grateful for the blessings that we experience within ourselves and that we bring to the world as we allow this imprisoned splendor out, as we recognize the light, the love within ourselves and share it. It blesses everyone. And so from this place of gratitude, I release this word into what we call the law, that process, that natural growth, that thing that knows exactly how to move it from intangible to tangible, from idea to experience. It is not ours to try to figure that out. It is ours to say yes to it. We let it be. And it is so. It is already so. And we just simply acknowledge that soness by saying together. And so it is. In the team program today, I'm the team teacher, James. Uh, we talked about the biggest thing you could imagine. And eventually we got to everything. Everything being connected to spirit. And we doodled some ideas of what spirit looks like to us. Not all of us like to use the word God. and Instead, we empowered ourselves to come up with an image to think of and use when making decisions in our life. 